welcome to the North Witch Podcast with your hosts, Azario Flame and Sandra Von Holland. In this podcast, we explore all the things that can help us to be better and improve our lives in body, mind, and spirit. Looking at everything from witchcraft, sorcery, woo-woo, spirituality, biohacking, the mundane, and everything in between. We occasionally have on guests from various backgrounds, practices, and philosophies. We welcome everyone from all walks of life, from the left-hand path to the right-hand path, from the medical to the holistic, from the woo-woo to the scientific and everything in between. We have conversations and discussions about our experiences over the years, what works for us, what hasn't worked, and explore new theories and science, trying them out, seeing what works, and debunking what doesn't. Thank you for joining us on this wicked adventure along the crooked path as we adventure into the mysterious and wonderful world and welcome what truly works for us to become better witches, sorcerers, magicians, and our best selves so that we can live our best lives. May these conversations help you to ignite the light within. The views expressed by our guests on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of us here at Northwich Magic Co. All of the information shared on this podcast is anecdotal and shared for entertainment purposes only and does not constitute medical or financial advice. Always consult a doctor, physician, or professional in their field before trying any of the things that may be discussed on this channel. Magic and holistic healing should work alongside allopathic care when necessary. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Northwich Podcast. Today, we have a wonderful guest, Andrea Vitimus, who is the author of the modern magical classic, Hands-On Chaos Magic, Re- Reality Manipulation Through the Oveki Current, also published in Magic on the Edge Anthology, the Manifesting Prosperity Anthology, the Pop Culture Anthology, and the Best of Canton Magazine Anthology. Vitimus is, holds the highest in- initiatory rank in Haitian voodoo, that of Hungan Asagwe, as a Yusui and Karuna Reiki master and NLP practitioner and a licensed hypnotherapist. So how's it going today, Andrea? Pretty good. Pretty good. It's nice not to have snow on the ground for the first day in a while. What? Yeah, sure. <laughs> We're we still, still have some over totally here. full of snow. We've got to go a little bit further south into the, into the, the six, right? And then there's no snow anymore. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Yeah, we just finally just got some nice weather here, so we we still have quite a bit of snow over here in Alberta, but it's finally starting to melt away. <laughs> Spring has sprung, but you know it was minus thirty the other day too. So, yep. <laughs> so, so that is quite a pile under your name. That is a long I list. Think of- I think there's, I think there's more than that. There's probably a lot more than that. Actually, nice. um, I like writing for anthologies because I can um, succinctly say what I need to and not have to fluff it with 150 pages, right? <laughs> yeah, that's so, totally true. Um, so yeah, so like I tend to write a lot of anthology articles just because I like I like to write and have things to say, but I really cut it down to the bone so I can get the, get the idea across and then not have to worry about the rest of the stuff. So yeah. Yeah, for sure keep it nice and easy and simple. Um, it's been a while since you've had a book coming out. Do you have anything on the uh, works for in the future here? Or? Oh. <laughs> oh God. I mean, like if, if people, people know me, you know, it's a running joke. Like I have like 10 books in process um, that I'm trying to get to. There's one that's like about 150 pages done. That's a fire magic book. And 
Then there's a Qigong book with Zach Louis, who's uh, the co-owner of the Wuji Zan uh, Life Wellness Center in Toronto, which uh, I co-own. And then, then not only that, there's a whole bunch of, um, we're working on a Chinese mythology book um, to take some of the feng shui spirits and the kind of Chinese mythological spirits and put it into an actual working grimoire, um, as opposed to kind of the superstitious folk uh, way that people deal with some of these entities, which doesn't get the best results. Um, and there are ways to do it, uh, but we, we're working it out. So a couple things, a couple of interesting projects. Um, I still have a fairy book that I'd like to write, the non-fluffy fairy book of the, you know, non-Victorian sort of <laughs> raw, primordial nature spirits that have some intelligence and probably are horribly dangerous and you should probably not do anything in the book because it's too dangerous. Uh, but probably some of the most rewarding magic you could do kind of book. Fantastic. Um, that sounds great. <laughs> so, well, I'm not going to lie. I totally had a fangirl moment when you messaged me and said you wanted to be on. I have been reading hands-on chaos magic since you first published it in 2009 and I've been doing work out of it since then. Um, it's kind of one of those ones that sits on my shelf and I always go back to. So it's really cool having you on and you know, I, I was actually yep. just joking before we went on that back in 2009, I fired off one of my first sigils was I'm going to meet this author. And I just let it go and never said anything about it. And then I was laughing the other day when you're like, hey, yeah, I'll come on your podcast. <laughs> See, like, and I, and I have roots in Hamilton and Toronto that I've been up here for on and off for a couple of years, like doing classes uh, until I finally invested in Zach's store. So, I mean... It was possible you could have actually met me up here in, in but Alberta is pretty far away from uh, Toronto. But I was I've been planning trips to Alberta actually. Um, That's interesting because I want because I want to go to the university and I want to get a couple books specifically published by the University of Alberta on Ukrainian magic since I'm Ukrainian. Oh, that's super cool. That is very close to us. <laughs> <laughs> that's so what are, but what, it's interesting because like because the pop magic examples i picked up until re really recently stood the test of time and then the authors of some of those pop magic examples i used in hands like chaos magic decided they didn't like being millionaires i guess and wrecked their whole reputation <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, were, it was it was pretty good choices and then like i said like you know like Harry Potter was a pretty good choice for pop magic. Uh, and then they wrecked their whole reputation. So it's like, what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, not much you can do about that. Sometimes the world just lets the chaos go again, right? <laughs> so what else do you have on the go these days? What's keeping you busy during this crazy uh, post-pandemic world? And what's uh, what you got going on the burner right now? Well, one of the things is obviously we have uh, the store and that's all the herbs behind me. Um, but I actually moved up to Canada during the pandemic via magical means and made it happen um, because I started getting worried about it. Uh, getting dead <laughs> for, for a lot of reasons uh, with how people were actually reacting in, in the States. But it, it's, it's not just the... Uh, 
it wasn't just COVID. It was also, I lived in a sort of politically risky area to be someone who's into alternative religions. And I know that sounds uh, rough, but those of you in the States who are listening, they, you know, there's some areas that you're okay with it and others, if you have the means, you should probably leave, go to someplace a little safer. Things we don't know about. <laughs> no, because you have a sensible countryman usually who, you know, talk, they don't have quite as many guns, you know, <laughs> talk it out, their differences. That, that's why I came up here, right? So, yeah, for sure. So, walk um, us through but, a day in your life of chaos, perhaps. So, everyone thinks, well, I mean, I think most people know I have two master's degrees in addition to kind of writing these books. That's why it takes me a while to write new books. One is a master's degree in computer science and one is a master's degree in business. So right now I teach data science classes, which is, I was joking before we, we started recording, it's like the uber nerd, uh, nerd points type of discipline that combines statistics and math and programming and um, surprisingly, related to magic more than what people would think uh, since you know the whole point of a data scientist is to go out there and get chaos which is raw unfiltered data and make a story out of it to actually present it and convince people to do things or otherwise make them make a decision based on the analysis of the data which is sort of like taking the formless chaos of numbers and making something useful out of it yeah, that's awesome. So do you apply any of that to your magical operations now? Like, do you use the numerology and stuff Absolutely. that goes along with that? Not so much the numerology, but definitely the statistics. And I've kind of been a big proponent of this. I think a lot of people have this idea that science and magic have to be totally separate. But that's never been my attitude. Always having been in hard sciences and kind of social scientists before that, I've kind of been like, you should use the tools of science to back up your magic. And I don't mean some, like you go out there and try to make some quantum metaphor that doesn't quite work. I mean, actually do the real stuff, like the stuff everyone hates talking about, journaling your results, marking it down, starting to repeat those results, seeing how many times it's repeatable, and then actually being honest about the numbers. If it's 50% of the time you're getting a magical result, great. Actually, that's pretty good. Uh, for most people. But how would you know? Most people don't even know how they're doing on the magical path because they have no hard metrics. They have the subjective experience. I had a great experience with this goddess or this god or this sigil felt awesome or when I was in the cemetery, it felt awesome. And when I ask questions to a lot of those people or I'm coaching people and I say, hey, and then what? What happened? And they're like, what do you mean? That, that That's the end of it what do you like magic supposed to do something yeah. right if you're not recording it what it's doing you are just having subjective experiences um which you could do probably easier if you just do drugs i mean then <laughs> actually do hard magic i mean it's it generally gets you subjective experience not too many magical results and you don't have to track anything but when you apply the scientific method you have a different mindset and actually this gets back to you know, why did people start 
disbelieving all truth and kind of saying everything is possible and all these things because it was basically an idea that you got to prove it and how do you prove it no one's going to believe it unless you can produce results and how do you show results you can't cherry pick results if you're being an honest scientist you have to show that this technique is repeatable and it gets results across multiple people and it gets results for you multiple times and to do that you have to collect the data over and over and over um and actually really show hey this this actually this stuff is actually real and it works and this is my proof it's not just faith i'm taking this upon i have a recorded set of results in my journals that i've condensed down to get basically even condensing it down to did it work yes or no and calculating out the number of sigils you do you can see how well you're doing with sigil magic that's a simple example like how many times you get the results and then you can kind of figure out well is it usually three months is it six months what is the general time frame for instance for me i know for a fact major workings i'd say this is not me bragging so don't take it that way i've been doing magic for like 25 years <laughs> um is that at this point i can get to about 85 to 90 percent times i'll get success however it usually takes six months Not for major work. Gratification. Yeah. Right. But usually when I throw, it's for big stuff. And it usually takes six months or so to make it happen, unless it's a quick money spell. Then I can usually do better, faster. And that's not bad. Like, so I don't need to know. I mean, people listening would be like, well, that's garbage. I don't want to wait six months. I'm like, really? You don't want to wait six months? But maybe you should wait six months. Right. If you're asking for a major life change, that's probably the amount of time that all the magic is has to work on you. And so that way it can come about like instant results usually means lots of pain, like as in lots of attachment, because most people, uh, most people's biggest issue with magic, I feel like it's not that the magic does or does not work. It's that when they realize what the cost of the magic is, they don't want to pay it. And it's not some trivial cost like, oh, here you give water, you give rum to the spirits or stuff like that. That's the easy cost, right? In voodoo, we give that stuff, we get stuff. It's the, yeah, if you want a new job, that could mean by doing a job spell, you lose all your friends. And people are like, why is that? Because your whole social network will start changing. If you go up a social stratus, your old friends will get envious and they will not want to be around you. So is it worth that? Is it worth going to that new social standing or not? And most people don't ever consciously think through that. They just say, they just make the unconscious decision that it's not. And then the magic doesn't work. Nine out of times, nine out of 10 times, that's why the magic doesn't work. Because you start having consequences that people don't like. But that comes down to attachment, right? Like you asked, like I'm saying about the job and this, getting to a different economic sphere. You asked to get there, you got you got there, and then it all falls apart because your friends are getting envious of you and that has applies to other parts of your psyche. So even low magic, even simple sigil magics, this kind of stuff can happen. And you don't know that unless you're actually taking good notes and actually recording that and seeing what happens. And I, I hate to say this comes down to this magician's detachment where you're like, my life changes but I'm still getting results. 
I got what I wanted, but all these other things happened too. So now if I wrote all that down and I did the kind of basic collecting all that data for myself, I can look back and say, you know what? Maybe I should meditate about why these things changed. Were, were the reason that I wasn't succeeding in the first place because of who I had around or to get a different lover in my life? Did I have to get a different job or did I have to move to a new city? All these kind of questions come up because maybe you are stuck where you're at and you can't see those patterns unless you write them all down to understand and detach from them and kind of examine them as just information. They're just, you're, you're presenting the theater of your life and this is just one act that you're in and it's just information of what happened in that act. Um, and that takes the level of detachment. And like I was saying, so I actually do bring this kind of data science mentality into looking at different events in my life and other people's lives and my, my clients' lives because I want to know what happens as a result of the magic often tells you more about yourself than it does about the magic. You can reflect on it and say, this probably was a weak point in retrospect, or, or this was really a sh hidden strength that I never actually did anything with until this magic forced me to do it. I love the reminder of journaling that you, that, that is awesome for our listeners to take that in. It's how many, like you say, aren't writing it down. They're doing the do, but they're not recording. That's huge. So then with that, since you use that hard data, is there any things that have stood out from your data that are absolute detriments to magical operations? And likewise, have you found things that are almost guaranteed to up the odds on what the outcome is going to be? Do not do sex magic to kill somebody. <laughs> Just don't do curse work with sex magic. This should be obvious. <laughs> of why I would say that, but right, there's obvious don't do it. And if you try it, that's right. If you try it, if you try it for, for purposes of just trying it, you, what will happen is you'll you'll never you'll negatively link death to your libido, which you don't want to do. Death <laughs> energies to your libido. So that's an obvious one. Just don't yeah. do it. <laughs> <laughs> like even experimentally, like just to see what would happen just don't do it like it's been tried it doesn't work well i don't advise it <laughs> there you, go. you heard it <laughs> you heard it here <laughs> but pe pe people will do that right like uh because they don't think like hey you know you probably need this particular process to be life affirming it doesn't necessarily say anything about light or dark, just life affirming in some way, like creative or uh, if you're going to alternate the purpose of the sexual act, it should be creative. It should uh, lead to a birth of something new because that's a natural process that it usually should do is all things considered, if there's no blockers, it could lead to a new child or it could lead to a magical result. As opposed to cursing something, which is a negative, uh, subtractive result, as it were. Yeah, uh, nothing is true. Everything is permitted, but in this case, just don't do. <laughs> it just doesn't work out well. Now, I think the majority of 
what always works for people is again the things that no one wants to hear especially not the TikTok uh magicians and and witches dot all these fundamental stuff that people have been talking about years still matters like it matters a lot like most people who can get the meditation down really well start getting over 60 percent results i'm pretty sure of it like they start getting results on a regular basis especially if it's with self-reflection because when you're meditating a lot a decent amount to get your head clear and you sit down to do magic you kind of know really early on in the process that it's probably not something you should do or at least you have enough foresight to go turn over to the divination and kind of ask harder questions you have an insight like yeah and the meditation isn't about brutally shutting down your thoughts it's about giving you enough space so you can know yourself and once you know yourself you start enchanting for stuff that's a little more reasonable like I mean, it sounds, you can chant for anything, but it's a little bit more reasonable for what you actually want and who you actually are versus stuff that you think you want. I mean, everyone says when they're a guy, they say stuff like, oh, I want a perfect woman who's a perfect tan model. They really want that? No, they think they want that because that's what society tells them, but it's a lie. And that's the kind of deconstruction that you get from meditation to say, hey, you know, or do you really want a job that's like $500,000 a year or $300,000 a year? You say yes, but what if I told you the consequence of that was you had to work 60 to 80 hours a week? Do you still want that job? Right? And usually when you're meditating, you're, you could be self-aware, more self-aware that, yes, that's that's it. That's it. Um, I don't really want that. And come to better better intentions essentially this is like the great process of magic is through the meditation whatever meditations you do you kind of get the space to understand there's a lot of stuff you probably shouldn't bother with even though it's stuff that seems like everyone wants it but you don't need it you know you just don't need it it's just for you it's basically garbage but you got to get rid of the noise to actually understand what's not noise and what what's useful um and everyone is different. So they have different things they need, actually, and want in life. And that's perfectly okay. Um, but if you would listen to what generally when people first started magic, it sounds like everyone wants the same things all the time. And it's usually not right for them at first. They they have to have go through a couple bumps in a road where something actually listens to them and gives them exactly what they want. And then they go, oh, wait a minute. We've all been there. Um, but then you get better and better and better about enchanting for the right stuff at the right time uh, and asking for the right things at the right time. Um, if you're doing the basics, meditations and banishings and and kind of just keeping yourself okay. I mean, that's especially important nowadays. Like we've been through multiple world traumas in a row and arguably we're not through those world traumas at all. Um, and we're probably headed for another couple world traumas. So how do you navigate that? We're well, gonna navigate that only if you can keep your head clear and still enchant for better things. Now that doesn't mean you ignore everything that's around. You just have the space to be honest with what do you actually need in the situation that you're presented with? Even if you don't have full control over it, there's certainly levers you can pull, smarter levels, smarter levers of magic that you can pull to 
manipulate things in certain ways that actually make things fall in line in ways that you need um, and you want, but maybe not in ways that were possible pre-COVID, let's say. Yeah, that's a really, really good way of putting it. I, I, I like how you put that there. And sometimes you have to be willing to pay the prices, you know, um, like for our, an example for our listeners uh, with COVID starting and everything, our other business was starting to fail. So I did a big, huge working with Archangel Zadkiel and said, hey, you know, I want this magic business to really flourish and take off. And, you know, I want to put all my time and energy into it. And all I got was a be careful what you wish for. And then within a week, the other business tanked and we had no choice but to make this one work. So, yeah. <laughs> although I got to say, you do have some very beautiful etchings that I often think, yeah, I should, I should buy this. <laughs> I should buy this. I'd buy this. These angel and demon work etchings. I'm like, I totally buy that. <laughs> Thinking, but yeah, so there's a, there's a free endorsement right there. <laughs> so, sure. so it's working out for me because I, I look at it I'm like I, I'd buy this, I, I'd buy that, I'd buy that too. So there you go. That's great that you follow us. Oh yeah, yeah. I see. I see. I, I I'm just kind of like, oh, I don't have the money to buy that right now. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm like, but it's not one thing. It's like, oh, I would buy all. I would buy all those Goetia sets right now. Hey, yeah, that would be good. Uh, so yeah. If you go big, go big or go home, right? <laughs> For sure. Absolutely. So are you offering any services or anything at this time, Andrea? Are you doing any of your voodoo services or hypnotherapy services or anything like that? Or Well, we're working on the hypnotherapy services. That um, becoming more uh, acquainted with the Canadian law on exactly which there doesn't seem to be any restrictions, but I want to make sure. Um, but yeah, I definitely do ritual services for anyone who, who needs needs them, um, and make cleansing baths and floor washes and powders, whatever people need. You know, I have a pretty vast conjure set of experience too. So um, from my days in Chicago, um, so yeah, I make all that stuff for people. But I usually only make it in small batches when people need something or they want me to do spell work for them. Awesome. And if they wanted to get some of those services, do they just go to your website, andreavitimus.com? Yeah, or just email me at andreavitimus at gmail.com and then we'll work it out. Awesome. That is good to know. So during all of this chaos that has been going on, what are some of the things that you've been doing to kind of stay sane? Some maybe tips or tricks or techniques that you've, been employing that are you know keeping the goodness coming keeping the happiness levels up you know that kind of thing well i have been doing a, a few different things some of which is like i've been using magical teas to imbue magic energies inside my body so what does that mean is that basically if you can you got to work on the taste that's the tricky part of this of making teas is the taste there's a lot of magical stuff that will really boost up your vitality and they taste really bad. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the tricky part is the teas, but I make teas to boost up my vitality because um, obviously COVID is sort of negatively affecting that because I usually would take long walks or sit at cafes and then walk for a couple hours from place to place. That's hard to do since we were locked down for a while. Um, 
So I have them making teas, like basically just blessing the herbs, putting them in tea, and then imbibing the stuff inside, which is sort of like a live things in you. Um, and if you can handle hot peppers and maybe mix them with some honey or chocolate, you get like Aztec chocolate, which gives you some endorphins. And then it gives you vitality right there together, um, like cayenne pepper with ch dark chocolate. Um, it can make Aztec hot chocolate, but when you actually bless it, you can make, you can boost the endorphins and the vitality. So that's pain relief at the same time you're getting more energy. Um, and it's de-stressing. So if you're really stressed out, that gives you energy to do stuff at the same time you're feeling good about doing stuff. Um, and then you could kind of use simple, you could sim simply sit with the herbs and meditate with them and pray over them and continuously pump energy in. Or you could use a sigil like from Hands on Chaos Magic and kind of push it over the top of the herbs and then drink it. And that's kind of like, then it will stay in your system. If you know anything about biology and the magic, uh, the body, essentially that stuff kind of stays in your bloodstream for about like 20 to 30 days. So it'll keep filling your system up like, even the, the chemicals of the the stuff will stay in there for 30 days. It's sort of like having a magical talisman in your body for 30 days, which you can keep up uh, the positive magic through your whole body just with that, um, which is great. Uh, especially it works even if you're kind of not feeling very good about stuff. Uh, you could just kind of you know, simply just light a candle, focus on that stuff, do the sigil over it, and then kind of, and view it and then it kind of you'll be able to kind of do more and feel good about doing it it's not just enough to do more it's it's you have the energy and you have the positivity towards doing it so then if you, you were in a sort of bad place because you get too stressful because of everything going on it kind of breaks that a little bit from the inside that's awesome and where would people find your recipes of this because you had me at the chocolate <laughs> well it depends on how much hot hot you hot, how much hotness you can take but i usually would mix one to one mm -hmm. um, because i can handle spices really well um and dark chocolate's bitter enough to cover it up you don't right. need a lot probably only a couple spoonsful of real like 80 percent cocoa powder and then a couple of teaspoons of tablespoons of hot chocolate of uh cayenne pepper which i can eat straight so that's okay right. it kind of covers up the cayenne pepper but adjust the cayenne pepper downward as you're able like if you're not cayenne pepper friendly maybe it's a couple pinches because realistically with the herbs you can boost the power up even if there's limited amount you know kind of through the through the spiritual act doesn't necessarily mean you have to have one to one that's kind of a a misnomer you have to work at getting it to taste well and then you can use very limited amounts like a cayenne pepper to get the same result because you just put more energy into the cayenne and then even though it's it's not as much physical stuff there it's enough to kind of do that so some of them i'm i'm not quite ready to release them but we will release some teas on our uh, uh on our store blog we, we, we once i'm sure i've tried other people like so i know other people try that cayenne thing they come to the store and kill me because they're like, they're like that's so much cayenne pepper but i'm like <laughs> I, I can eat, eat it straight 
So, so I usually tell people to start with a couple pitches. And that's the thing about herbal magic. It's kind of like one of those things where the myth is the more is better. But that's not true. Not always, like, no. Not always. I mean, and in fact, if you can really do shamanic work and get to the spirit of the original plant and kind of pull it through, you can make a pinch. The pinch of things that you put in means a lot more once it's turned on. It's it, The amount doesn't correspond to the power of the magic. Uh, and that's true with powders, too. That's one of the things, uh, I mean, people not understand is even a powder, if you've gotten the right herbs in there, a pinch sometimes can go a really long way if you really imbued uh, the herbs with a great deal of power. And that usually means time and effort, and you really took care on it. Um, it can go a long way. So it doesn't mean that you have to have a lot of the ingredient, especially for some of the rare ingredients. You don't necessarily have to have a lot at all. It's enough to have just a pinch, and then you can make it work uh, with the magic. Very good. Fantastic. I love the animistic approach. So do you just specifically speak to the spirits of the plants when you're doing that? Or do you take a journey to them? Or do you have maybe a prayer that you use for harvesting or anything like that, that you work with them? Uh, with? Well, first I'm a chaos magician and second I'm a voodoo priest, right? So it's yes to all of the above to those. Um, Fair enough. You usually, honestly, like I'll pray to Grand Bois to return the herbs. I'll pray to like I'll pray to Kafku, Kafku to actually um, allow the ashe of the herbs to pass to have passed through the crossroads at the time that they were gathered, um, and then basically pay Grand Bois and like fire them up so that the herbs have their original life force or more. And then, but other times I will sort of do that process, but then see if I can actually talk to the spirit of the plant itself um, to see if it can add more mojo, like ashe to the actual plant. Ashe is kind of a word like mojo, but it's merely means spirit, really. You're adding the impractical magic, like intensely... Uh, succinct vibrational energy like very very clear vibration energy of that plant and to the working so i'll try to commune with the plants i really like uh, my whole day-to-day -day existence is very much in the mental space it's in numbers and math so a lot of times in when i'm doing magic you know that's why there's all these herbs here because i love doing it with my hands to make sure that i get more balance um um, unless I have to do stuff on the fly, then I'll do some astral stuff. But so I love working and trying to commune with the, the plants and get them to that. Now, if I'm gathering the plants, yeah, I will pray to the plants and do the voodoo thing where I basically leave some, some coins or something that would be helpful uh, to the forest. Could be service too. Um, so sometimes when I'm gathering my own plants for my own use in the forest, um, I will go in with a garbage bag and do out a couple hours of cleanings for to as service to the, the forest uh, and pay my way into the forest and introduce myself if I've not been there before and and offer uh, my services and kind of go around picking up stuff and then and then then get what I need to get after a few hours in the forest, picking up garbage and stuff other people do. And so it's my offering their service and then 
then I'll pay the plant to, of course, you got to ask uh, when you got to ask when you're live harvesting stuff. I mean, you have to ask really if you want to do be right about it. It's probably you could force the issue, but it's a little easier if you can kind of even when you're working with cut herbs, get the plant to come along with you. Uh, so it's always just a good idea to dance instead of punch, right? Like by punch, I mean, you know, do what I'm telling you, like, you know, with the herb. And that's what most people do with herbs, right? They kind of sit there, put the herbs down and like money, 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 or whatever it is, right? Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. curse work, curse work, curse work. Like uh, they're not really dancing. They're sort of punching. They're sort of pushing, right? It, it's pushing versus dancing. If you know anything about dancing, you know, you give a little, you get give a little, it's back and forth, back and forth. You know, and that's how you have to actually work with the plants to get the best out of them. Is you give a little, you let your consciousness bend, you kind of put your intention, you kind of let your consciousness bend and get your try to keep your intention going back and forth, kind of till you're till you're both swing dancing or spiraling or ball dancing or whatever kind of dance that you're doing with the plant. <laughs> totally fair. That that's fairly similar to how I've done it. I'm actually taking a course by Jack Grail right now. And we just learned a spell from the PGM on how to use threat narratives to get herbs. And I, I gotta tell you, that's so outside of my wheelhouse from what I normally do. <laughs> I mean, exactly. I mean, I know people who do that with demons too. Now I find a PGM pretty interesting altogether because it's like there's a whole system of magic where you just threaten the Greek gods. Okay, okay. I've vaguely thought maybe I should try just to see if this works. But I mean, I've seen what it, people threaten the Goetia usually ends poorly. Yeah, that's that's been my All experience the time. as well. Pretty much every time. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't go poorly at first, which is the worst, but you can consistently see where it goes badly is later. So it goes down to that data stuff that I was talking about is that, you know, magicians can't tend to miss or witches tend to miss their personalities shifting. Yeah, for sure. And they do magic. Yeah, they do magic to threaten the Goetia and their personalities are shifting. They don't realize their personality is shifting and they bring about their own problems. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, with that being said, almost every single ceremonial magician or goes or whatever that I have seen have issues with the Goetia are the ones that are doing, you know, traditional Solomonic magic, the ones that are using the threat narratives, the ones that are binding and threatening and, you know, using the blasting rods and whatever else. Yeah. Whereas, you know, like people that I, like Stephanie Connolly, for example, people like that, that are, you know, they're more treating them as friends and whatever. I see way, way, way less issues in those scenarios. I mean, obviously I've, I've kind of written one book with Stephanie on, on making spirit vessels and and plan to write more with her because we're on the same page. Really, like, there's no reason to treat them that badly. You just kind of, you're negotiating. I mean, you know, granted, they're more pharaoh than some spirits, but that's, you know, I mean, that's Goetia. I mean, but in Voodoo, we work with pharaoh spirits all the time, too. And it just takes a little bit of lighter hand, like, okay. It's a wolf. Okay, you don't try to reach out and smack the wolf's mouth at first. 
maybe put a little food down, right? You can put a little more food down, put a little more food down and bring it closer and closer and closer until finally it lets you pet you and you realize, okay, um, this is mutually okay. Um, and when you, you try to separate it out and beat people up, your subconscious mind knows what you did. And that's where it comes down. It's not like you don't know what you did. It, it can't be maintained even under the guise of Christianity for long because that's not how most people are. Maybe one out of 10 people can get away with that because they are sociopaths and they don't really have an ethical constraint about that. But that means nine out of 10 magicians who try are probably going to get in trouble. And they do. And I don't want people to get the wrong impression. I have many good relationships with goetic spirits and have no problems because I don't do that. And Stephanie has no issues because she doesn't do that. And there's lots of people I know that have no issues because they don't do that. Now, does that mean it's going to work out every single time? No. But do you have the backlash? No. Because you know what? You have a conversation with the spirit the first couple of times, you realize it's not a mutually good arrangement. Either your personality doesn't fit, the energy doesn't fit, something about the situation doesn't fit, and you move on. They very rarely have to be constrained. And then again, if you're summoning a Goetia spirit that you know is problemsome for you, you know, you don't have to beat it up either because you know you're having a problem. So it's like having an allergic, allergic reaction to the spirit. And if you're open and upfront with the spirit too, with the Goetic spirit, some people actually have allergic reactions to angels too. So it's not like it's just Goetic spirit. But if you're open and honest with the spirit and you say, hey, uh, I'm summoning you, I have this aversion but i'm trying to work through it nine times out of ten or more you'll see it'll go pretty well you're just being open and being like yeah i'm having a bad reaction to you and i know it's me um so i'm gonna summon you again like exposure therapy to kind of get over it um or even if it's an angel to say the same thing you see the you'll tend to feel the vibe is somewhat more supportive than people would expect <laughs> for sure and, you know, like one of the things, uh, you know, I was talking to Jason Miller the other day and he said, I, I don't understand what's with all of these sorcerers these days playing ding dong ditch with the demons. You know, the people will summon these spirits, they show up, they're shocked that they've shown up, now they're frightened, and then they start going through the processes, you know, it's like as if I invited you to our shop and you walk in the door and I'm like, are you Andrea? By the name of God, are you Andrea? Tell me, are you Andrea? And I pick you up and slam you against the wall and go, Andrea, is that you? And you're like, fuck, yeah, it's me, Jesus, fuck. Will you do this for me, Andrea? And you're like, yeah, fucking let me go, man, whatever you want. And then you're like, as soon as I let you down, you punch me in the I'd face be like, and fuck off. <laughs> I'd kick you in the balls. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, I'll do whatever you want, kick you in the balls. <laughs> exactly. Just like that's what the demon does, right? Uh, and I mean... I think there's a real reason for why that happens. It, it isn't just that thing you show up. Like, I, I still, and I could be wrong, and I'm willing to do the data on this point. I think most workings for most baby witches, and even more experienced witches, get, go nowhere. Uh, as in, there's nothing that shows up. And the one out of 10 or two out of 10 that gets something to show up, yeah, it freaks them out. And what do they do is they want to put it, the Pandora back in the, they want to, they want to put all the stuff in Pandora's box back in. Because what does it mean if something shows up? Well, it can mean a lot of things, right? It could mean you had a radically altered state of consciousness 
That's the the null approach, right? The nothing actually happened but your mind. And that's where a lot of people actually go right after the first time they ever get something to happen. They just say, okay, it's all in my head and I'm gonna walk away because this is just bullshit, right? Or or they go the other way where this was actually actually real. I'm going back to the Christian church. Yeah. Right. Because because something showed up. And that's terrifying. If you think about it, that's the most terrifying thing if you're not used to it. Because if you can no longer just half-ass it and know that something happened that you can't really explain, you've stepped into this classic hero's journey if you're not used to it. You have received the call to adventure in the classic sense of the word. Your life will not be the same. It cannot be the same. So instead of dealing with that, you know, let's never do that again and go back to the church, right? Because at that point, it comes with all the other understandings that we as magicians and witches know about. Like then you have to start taking responsibility for your life. Then you start, you got to start wondering what is the nature of reality? You got to wonder what else is there in reality? Like, uh, are we alone or is this in my head? Am I crazy? Uh, all those things that we all wonder about you now have to worry about when you accept that is real uh, and that happened. And it could be any it, anything that happens. I'm not saying anything about the nature of the spirits either. I'm just saying something happened and now you have to come to grips with these existential questions and most people would prefer to numb out and ignore. So everyone loves the magic pill, but they hate the magic, right? <laughs> They love the magic pill. Make it happen for me. Make a miracle happen. But then there's all these consequences if you actually do the magic. In reality, like where you have to realize there's a whole bunch of in practice questions you'll start having to ask. And they're hard, hard questions. Uh, and I think a lot of people, that's why they just go ding dong and then they walk away. It's fear. It's fear. Like people don't realize like you know, our ancestors, our shamanic ancestors who did this sort of thing, they, they always would risk death or insanity, right? And that's what happens in the modern age. You're still risking insanity if you no. do this stuff. And if you don't have good guides, which there's very, uh, how many people have access to actual people know what they're doing? You know, like, not necessarily in the classic authoritative way, but they could get you out of a troubled situation if you're really, you know, really confused. Like, most people feel alone, isolated. They don't know who to talk to. And probably their friends and family are not supportive. And that includes in the Wiccan community. It's not like I'm just saying this is Christians. Like if you haven't experienced real magic and all your friends are just doing ser service to the goddess, it's frightening to have something happen. I'm very compassionate about that kind of idea. I think that's the major problem is until you've had that experience and walked through it, like it's one of the most terrifying things that you have to go through. Now, some of us went through that at a very young age, so it was a little easier. But the older you get, the harder it is to walk through that because then you have more socially, social garbage in your head that you have to kind of break through to actually accept the experience. Um, and somebody might have an experience like that, it might take them five, six years before they can come back to it and say, 
uh, of art therapy, of writing, of poetry, of processing to actually understand, maybe I should come back to this. And that's why I think people just walk away because they, they cannot, they can, they don't have the tools to process it. They just don't know what to make of it. And even if you would talk to people on TikTok or other places, and you talk about some real magical experience that happened to you, people, what are people going to say? You're full of shit, right? Like that never happened. You're making it up to get attention, uh, or, or you're just crazy. And that's in the magical community. So it's like. Who do you turn to? Like, who do you turn to to say, like, I mean, first of all, let me tell people miracles are possible, weird shit happens, and it'll inevitably happen to you uh, if you do magic. So there, there's my warning there, caveat on that. But I think most people don't believe that. And they do the work over and over and over and over. Nothing happens. And then, you know, maybe, as a party guest, maybe they do a fun Goetia summoning every Every few months, nothing happens. And then all of a sudden, you know, the stars align, boom. And then they're like, things fall off the wall. There was a wind inside my house. What the hell is going on here? The room got icy cold. Whatever combination of stuff is. And their friend, who was just there, doesn't give the normal social clues that it was all just bullshit. They give you the what the fuck just happened to me. And that's why they walk away because they're like, everyone starts going, what just happened here? And they have no context for it, um, even though they've been asking the universe casually for this type of experience for a while. And that's really what I think happens. Like, I don't think it's maliciousness or, or just people uh, being stupid about it. I think there's a lot more people trying it and there's a lot less places to know where to go like when actually something happens uh and it, i mean that's kind of weird because we we we, all, we both have stores um but i do think it's harder like a lot of stores you go into like do people actually support those kind of experiences i'm not so sure right because they they have knickknacks they have this but it's harder to support those because they would have to admit the store owners themselves the authors everyone would have to admit a whole bunch of things that they may not want to admit. Um, those kind of same kind of questions. And if you haven't been there, I think it, I really do think it's terrifying, and that's okay. I guess my advice to people in that state, if you're listening there, just accept the terror and walk forward. And it'll be okay. I promise you'll get through it. You will. Um, you know, if you made a deal, carry through on the deal, unless it's a stupid deal. Then. Get somebody to help you negotiate that, you know. Yeah. If you made a if you made a deal to kill somebody, it was a bad deal and it wasn't a demon. I'll just say that <laughs> for public service. So just just let's break that deal right off from the start. But usually, if it's something simple like just give them some offerings of this food, just do it. Like it, it'll be okay. It's like every other trip to the unknown. The more as a magician or witch you can accept the unknown usually the better and more powerful in spirituality you can become. Um, you don't learn, you learn more techniques, but you learn, you realize you learn and know less as you get further in this, or at least what you're studying is more confusing. And you just accept the unknown and you get more comfortable with accepting unknown states of existence. And that's okay. 
So accept it. Just kind of ride through the fear because the fear actually is a wish. That kind of fear is a wish. It's a wish to actually embrace it at the same time you're afraid of it uh, because you're afraid. But at the same time, for most people, exciting, it's a complex set of emotions and that's why they run away. They do not, I, they just, I just think most people do not know how to process this level of awe and excitement and terror at the same time. But anyone who's done magical work and had something happen, they go through this. I think everyone goes through it. That awe, excitement, terror, wonder, it's all rode into one. And usually the, the one that kind of breaks you into being a, a witch or a magician or it's over a couple workings, but you still have them all there and you get through it. You, you can get through it. Just, you know, just, just keep, keep walking forward. Don't give up. Uh, I think that's the best advice that everyone should get. It's just don't give up. Keep going through it. We need more actual people doing this kind of stuff. I would like to have some more people to talk to. I think you, I think you, you two would like to have some more actual people to talk to, right? Absolutely. It's all about so, so keep going. And I love that you say, just keep going because it's, it just is encouraging for everyone's journey and finding community. Don't you think? Yeah. I mean, and the thing is, is that the magician's journey is pretty isolated or the witch's journey once you start doing magic. So it's useful to have allies along the way. Absolutely. And that is another point, too, is that if you are going to go out and start doing experiments, more chaos magic style, be, be prepared that sometimes you are going to fuck up. You are going to cause problems. Shit's not going to go the way that you want it to. And you need to sometimes learn to roll with the punches, you know, and sometimes the best way to learn magic is to learn how to fucking fix what you fucked up. <laughs> it's not bad. Like when things fuck up. I mean, it seems bad at the time. But this gets to the thing. You have to learn detachment as a magician. You have to learn detachment. In this classic, I don't mean classic Buddhist sense of the nothing you do in the world matters, but in a practical sense. The situations and surroundings and even potentially people and around you will change. That is just the nature of time. When you start mucking with magic, all these things will change. You have to be able to accept this kind of detachment that life is change that you are weaving change. You're weaving change into your life. You, you're not an agent of stasis. I mean, if you're doing chaos magic, it would seem like you would understand it's about chaos, but all magic really is about weaving change. You are changing the nature of your personal and potentially external reality. To do that means you have to accept that the constraints, the situations, the connections, the situations, the physical stuff around you all might change. And the more you attach to it, the harder the magic gets or the more painful the magic gets in some cases. If you could detach from it, okay, great. You know what? It's just a different state of being that you entered into. And that's the key. That's, that's sort of initially too. Like uh, I think when things blow up, if you're really working the magic, more often than not, they come around after a couple months. Except for the people who actually give up or go into a negative spiral. But if you keep doing your daily banishing and you keep kind of keeping your head clear, more often than not, they turn around. 
faster than you would expect. And it's usually better. And you come out of it learning, having learned some sort of lesson that not a trivial lesson that I can just tell you what the lesson is, but you know, you kind of learned a whole bunch of different things about you, how your magic works, just how the universe works all together. So the magician or witch or shaman, you cannot be afraid of the failures. You just have to accept them as just information. It's just, you got a result and it wasn't exactly coming about the way you expected. And if you can detach from that, the pain is a lot less. You can just accept, okay, this is the result. I asked for it. Great. This is a new story, a new chapter, a new stage to act upon. And that's beautiful and awesome. And I have all these new opportunities now, um, as opposed to, uh, why did I fuck that up so bad? I mean, literally, that kind of narrative is what will cause you to actually be bad. But more often than not, that's exactly the, like a bigger workings requires these kind of what seems like negative effects at first. So if you're asking for huge workings or huge life change, they usually require negative things. And everyone's asking for huge things a lot of the times. So it'll blow up in your face. They're, they want radical life changes. And that means radical life changes. They just they don't understand. It means, amount of time. Well, I have a formula for that. <laughs> that is pretty consistent. So it goes back to the earlier conversation. We said, well, what about, what do you have that always seems to work? The central formula is the great, the shorter the amount of time that changed, the greater amount of personal pain. So, be fair. <laughs> uh, I think that's pretty universal too. Uh, you know, like as in, if you can get the magic to change something overnight, you probably don't want to pay the the cost, right? If you're asking for radical life changes and it changes overnight, that's a lot to adjust to overnight, and that's where the pain comes from. Whereas if you have a little bit to adjust to every week or so. Yeah, you you can handle it. You deal with it. You're cool. It's all good, you know. But you get a radical life change where overnight you move across the country, and you don't have any of the friends you have in there. That's not the kind of result you want. Or overnight somebody dies in your family, or whatever it is. You get a car crash, or radical transformation that you ask for it happens, or your house burns down, or it's clearly the the result is coming about. You don't want that faster results usually. Um, because the greater the change, the greater the cost in those attachments, like the greater weight of those attachments that get broken more suddenly. So there's a greater amount of internal pain, uh, because you have to adjust to radically new life situations, um, that maybe you weren't ready for. Yeah, and I think that's something that a lot of new people coming to magic don't realize is it's it's happening to you, not for you. You know, it's not being just handed handed over to you. It's actually changing you, changing your world, changing your life. It's not, you know, it's not just boom, you wake up and there's a million dollars in your bank account. I mean, it could be that fast, but you might wake up and Aunt Gertrude passed away last well, night. <laughs> that yeah, exactly. Do you know this is an example? There's numerous statistical studies about that everyone says they want to win the lottery 
Do you know that after about five years, most lotto winners are in the same shit state they were in before the lotto? Yeah. <laughs> this is a fact. Yeah. Like, it's totally a fact. You can look it up and do the research. And I'm not saying do the research like in a stupid way. I'm like actual academic research. And the reason for that is they have not changed their state. So oftentimes with wealth, particularly if you want to be a millionaire, the spirits will be like, okay, let's work on that. And if you're having an honest relationship with the spirit, they'll tell you it'll take 10 years. It'll be painful. We'll, 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 I'll walk you with you on you with you to this journey after you get a relationship with the spirit or whatever you're working with. And it's possible. It, it can happen. Um, and what is the end result is you are different. One of the things is that I, I sort of, I mean, not recently, but after I wrote Hands on Chaos Magic, and probably, yeah, before that even, I was thinking, you know, this difference between low and high magic is garbage. And why is it garbage? Because you can do simple sigil spells and they totally transform you. Like simple low magic totally transforms your life. And then that transforms who you are, which by definition means it's high magic. But can you do high magic workings in classic ceremonial magic and all of a sudden radical life changes have which look like low lap magic so what's the difference is maybe opinion or political i guess because there's no way you can change anything in in your external world without changing your internal world and there's no way you can change anything in your internal world and not change the external world it always are going to be a cycle but they're going to both change at the same time if you've truly made a change to the internal world your life will make radical changes. You'll see it. Whether it's like you're just doing Qigong and you've kind of made some breakthroughs, all of a sudden different people will start showing up in your life. It always happens. Or or you do a sigil, you do some money spell, you get money coming in, and then you realize you had some money uh, deficits, maybe you spent too much, same thing. It always happens that you have the realizations or you have the realizations and the universe changes. There's no real one or the other. It isn't like you can just enchant for something in the world and not have that echo in your soul or echo in your being or whatever you want to call it. It does. It's like you're throwing that pond, you're throwing the rock in the pond and you're different after every single spell work. It doesn't matter how low or high it is. And that's okay. It's perfectly natural. Uh, but you are a different person and possibly a different being after that. Absolutely. That was a great breakdown. I love that. <laughs> I know. I can just listen and listen and listen. It's like, wow. <laughs> um, you know, I, I tried. I, I, you know, the joke is that I said earlier, like I try to justify the air that I breathe. I sometimes succeed. I think today I'm doing a good job with that. I, I think you're <laughs> killing it today. <laughs> You're justifying that air. Well, yeah, you've this been, is great. You've been kind of quiet over there, Ma. You have any uh, questions for Andrea here? Well, I'm just soaking it all in. I, I'm loving it. I can, uh, I could listen to these stories forever. I, I see we'll need to have another hour time. <laughs> we'll have to do this again and again. I think because I'll come back. I'd love to come back. So, like I said, you know. Yeah, I think we will totally have to come back. I'll. Uh, this is this has been great story time. Hopefully, I haven't freaked people too much out by telling them to keep going. I think that's just that was great advice, and um, 
you know, journaling your journaling your journey is huge, right? That's probably your biggest first step to get really going, right? And like document what you're doing and otherwise and you're kind of winging it. Say, kind of out there. Yeah, I should say at this point in time, depending on how technologically friendly you are, right? Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be a 300 page book of shadows anymore. I mean, my journal right now is this app called Day One. It's from Apple. It works great. I can record a voice and get it transcribed for 10 minutes. And it only cost me 30 bucks on my phone for the app. It's beautiful. It works on my PC. And I could just write my notes right there. And there they are. And then, like I said, I don't even have to write the notes. I could just speak into my phone at this point. So I, it doesn't have to be overly complicated. Like you just like sit or, sit down and say, which I do like on this day one, I sit there and say, hey, I meditated this day with using my technique of lower Dantian and staring at the spot in the wall. And yes, by the way, people listening, that sounds very basic, but that is almost my daily practice after banishing is to sit and meditate in perfect stillness, stare at a spot in the wall and focus on my lower Dantian um, to check all the energy problems in my body and my mental state and um depending on how my focus moves i can tell this is what's going on in my life or this is what's going on in my energy system very simple and i just talk about okay i did this meditation and what was going on in, in my lower dantian is that my focus kept rising up which means i'm too distracted by emotional issues right now and that's my journal right that's telling you what's happening on the day and yeah. i could say yes I actually am worried about these things in my life. So it makes, this is all making sense. Uh, and that would just be me recording a, a, a private podcast, not a private podcast, but a private note on my phone. Right. So again, it doesn't have to be hard. It, it don't it, complicate it, right? Just right. record right. in whichever right. manner. How long do you normally, are you okay? We're going over here. Are you okay for another question? Um, yeah, I'm okay. I, I got nothing till nine o'clock. Then at nine, okay. I got to do something else. So. <laughs> How long are, you meditate every day? How long do you usually do that, or is it a set time, or it just is depending what's going on and how you're feeling? Is that how you choose, or uh, honestly, it depends. Not so much how I'm emotionally feeling. I've been having a little bit. My leg hurts sometimes because uh, I cut it. So it depends if like if I'm sitting there, if it hurts, right? So then I'll try to meditate for at least 10 minutes. But if it's not hurting, I'll meditate for longer. I, I, I'm in a comfortable chair, like longer to 20 minutes. Now, I should tell people staring at the wall on a singular point and focusing on the lower Dantian without moving is actually really hard. It sounds like, oh, well, that's that's easy. But that's a much more extreme Zen type of meditation than you usually would see. So you can't really blink, you can't move. Uh, when you have to itch your face or something like that, you can't do that, so it's body control. And then you're kind of focusing just on the down important wall. So I don't really get too upset with myself if I only get 10, 15 minutes and then I have to move. I go, that's still pretty good for that type of meditation. Um, oh, and I try to work up, but I try to work up to 25 to 30 minutes of just singular focus. Uh, and then if, if my, you know, everyone has back issues and other issues and neck issues, if it gets out of hand, then I, I listen to my body at that point, kind of, 
Right, because it's a hard meditation. You get over 10, 15 minutes, you're doing pretty good. Uh, you'll be able to fo- you'll be able to focus on those sigils or other stuff if you have that level of focus with that type of meditation. And that's always the type you use, or do you do no, different forms? No, of but that's usually what I do. That's your go-to. That's my go-to. The other type of meditation that I love doing, but I have to get used to Toronto more to be able to do it, um, is a walking meditation, um, where I'll just kind of walk in the forest paths. But I have to know the forest paths. Don't get <laughs> yeah. know the the paths, and I don't know the paths in Toronto well yet. There's some right by our store. There's a huge bunch of forest paths in the river, but I don't know them well enough to actually let myself just walk and trance out. And I have to get used to being in Canada, to be honest. You know, like, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people in the forest. And usually I go to a forest that didn't have so many people. It's easier to kind of do that. But here it's a lot safer area than any city I lived in in the States at all, ever. So I don't really have to worry about that stuff. And I have to retrain my mind to say, it's okay. There's other people around. This is actually a really super safe city, which, so that's, again, that's kind of a, a adoption that I have to mentally start working on because I'm used to living in not so nice areas of Chicago. Cleveland is a rougher city. That's where I used to live. Uh, so you get situation awareness about how many people are around you, which is a good thing. But in Toronto, I have to retool that so I can kind of walk because it doesn't matter if people are there because it's a super safe city. Yeah, you have to kind of train that hypervigilance out of yourself so that you can let yourself trance yep. out. Yep, and just walk. Um, so that's the other way I will, I'll tend to do it for just straight meditation, which has the extra bonus if I had paid the spirits, like I said in the beginning, walk the trails. Inevitably, I'll end up to some place that has interesting things for me to collect, even without asking. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been absolutely great. I uh, will definitely have to revisit this again because it's been fantastic. So, so great to meet you and welcome to Canada. Well, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Even though we're at opposite sides of the country. So whenever you need to come to U of A, we're very, very close to that. And we would definitely have to. There, there. I mean, we'll see what COVID does, but there's definitely I want to, I want to get some of the research notes uh, from some professors there. If I can convince them, I'm worthy to get the original research notes. Um, I'll brush up on my Ukrainian. They'll give them to me. So, <laughs> That'll <so>. work. <laughs> awesome. And while you're walking in those trails, just remember you are in Canada now. If somebody steps on your foot, they will apologize to you and you know it's i know that's the weirdest thing it's like (laughs) no one shoulder checks you no one tries to steal your backpack none of that ever happens it's amazing (laughs) (laughs) we're just kind like that up here (laughs) all right well thanks for coming on today andrea that was a awesome interview with you and we enjoyed having you on well like sandra says we'll have to schedule you again sometime in the future and listen to some more of your wonderful wisdom i'd definitely love to come back and if you you'd like to since we're all canadians collaborate on some things together maybe find some mutual interest see what we could do 
That would be great. We will absolutely absolutely keep in touch. And we'll obviously get more. Oh, Oh, that's not showing through your filter there. More copies of your book. Copies of your book, if I could do it. We'll get some (laughs) more in in store for them. And where else can they find them? Except besides from us, of course. Well, I have some personally at at the store in Toronto, at the Wuji Zan and Queen City Curio. And you can get them anywhere. it's a Llewellyn book, um, so there, Amazon has a whole bunch, and a lot of stores in right uh, in Hamilton and around this area have it. But in Alberta, <laughs> Northwich Magic, go. Go. We, we <laughs> you never know. Much are the they people. might be able to. They might be able to convince me to come out there sometime to Alberta once COVID. Oh yes, we'll have a book signing today. day. Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> Hopefully we'll have a book signing day with a new book. There we go. Yes. No pressure. No pressure. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks so much and happy Friday night. Thank you.